Hello, listeners. Dustin here. I uh, just want to let you guys know that we are taking a break from our normal upload to get some things situated on the recording side. We've had time off due to COVID. Now we have the holidays coming up. We've changed lo- recording locations. We actually have new equipment. And that takes some getting used to, moving things around, making sure that the recording sounds okay, because, you know, when you change rooms, the sound completely changes. Uh, We just want to make sure that we're actually providing a consistent, high-quality product for you guys. And with the new microphones, with the new recording space we're going to be moving into, I predict that it's going to sound better than ever. Um, We have a lot of exciting content coming, including uh, our first phone call trivia with a patron. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around, listening to us, supporting us if you're a patron. Thank you so much. If not, we just appreciate you being there and uh, tweeting at us, commenting on Facebook, anything, any interaction is very welcome. We love hearing from you guys, the emails, uh, even c- corrections. We even love those. Uh, we'd like to make sure that what we're putting out is correct. Uh, again, a million times over, thank you. We appreciate you. And we hope you enjoy WrestleMania 3. gentlemen welcome to magnificent silverdome and welcome to wrestlemania 3 and welcome to last mania standing the podcast where we review relive and rank every wrestlemania in history as always i'm spencer i'm aretha franklin it's wrestlemania 3 we got through wrestlemania 1 Man, did we get through WrestleMania 2. Holy. But now, here we are, March 29th, 1987, from, as Vince McMahon told us, the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, which, you know, Detroit, Michigan, whatever. Uh, WrestleMania 3, bigger, better, badder. Oh, yeah. And it was. It really was. Well... Yes, it was. But it wasn't it wasn't badder than WrestleMania two. It wasn't it wasn't badder. Um, and actually it wasn't that much bigger other than attendance. Yeah, it was definitely uh, attendance wise bigger. But it was bigger in that uh it wasn't bigger in that it had the same exact number of matches as WrestleMania two. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it and it wasn't and it was better in terms of att- attendance as well. You know, we talked about WrestleMania two and how there was a lot of empty seats, especially once it got to the third leg. Uh, but it was better because it was all in one building. <laughs> that's definitely yeah, that's part better. of it. No, no, yeah. tri- no triple stream? TriCast? Yeah, none, no. none of those. Uh, it was a back to sort of business as usual. And definitely, uh, for me, sort of what sort of felt like the biggest mania so far out of the three. It uh, was, yeah. And it was so loud. I mean, you got 93,000 people in that building. Yeah. Uh, debatably. Uh, arguably <laughs> no it's not arguably at all it's actually like common knowledge that it was actually 93,000 no they sold 78,000 tickets oh. <laughs> well yeah, no. it was loud it was, it was loud. very loud and it, and it looked like there was a million people in there and I loved that I'm not sure if it was like a, a glass ceiling or I mean there are plenty of glass ceilings involved with Vince McMahon but um, 
I'm not sure if the Pontiac Silverdome had a glass ceiling or if it was just open, but it was, I love that it was like during the day and then it yeah. slowly gets darker yeah. and darker. No, it had a similar roof that you'd see like on the Hoosier Dome when we get to WrestleMania 7. I'm sorry, WrestleMania 8. And uh, like a similar roof that we'd seen in a couple of previous years. It's a, it's a covered roof, but it's like a like that weird like tent roof where like if it snows, it might collapse. <laughs> One of those where if yeah. there was like a, a paraglider that was going for it, they'd accidentally just... <laughs> yes, they would just splat. Stop. Yeah. Um, I love the jazzy opening. Oh. Boy, it's jazzy. We're back to sexy Woo! jazz music. Ooh. It's good. A little hot sax. Oh. It's, it's really nice. I, I love hot sax. Yeah. I, if there's one thing I love, it's hot sax. Uh, you know who else I love? Aretha Franklin. The queen! Man. And and listen, no no pun intended. The respect that this crowd shows for Aretha Franklin, oh, man. is awesome. It's really cool to see. Yeah. So don't forget. So far, uh, we've had Mean Gene sing the national anthem at WrestleMania one. We had Ray Charles sing America the Beautiful at WrestleMania two, and now the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, awesome it is beautiful, and she crushes it. Oh, absolutely! It she was crushed stellar it. performance. She crushes so much they brought her back twenty years later. Yeah. They absolutely did. Uh, this is one of the you know iconic scenes that you see when they play all the WrestleMania packages because it's such a big deal. Aretha being there, she sounded amazing. The crowd loved it, and and she that's how you start the show. That's how Vince started. It was it was really really cool. And so the the kind of next segment after uh, America the Beautiful is you get the shot of the announce team. Yeah. You absolutely do, and it, and it's Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Yep. What the nope. hell is Jesse Ventura wearing? It's a hat. It's it's, it's a snake snakeskin outfit. With, just I, don't, I don't think of, just don't don't think about it too hard. No, just hey, he he did his thing. He's we, the body. We are we are joined uh, throughout the night by a couple other commentators actually as well. Uh, one of them being Bob Uecker, who is you know Mr. Baseball, a ton of fun to listen to. He's just uh, got a, a great personality for the oh, microphone. Yeah. Uh, and and so we see him at a couple of WrestleManias, but it, but definitely here. Uh, and then Mary Hart, who is a, apparently a host of Entertainment Tonight. Um, but I'll tell you now, even before we get into the whole thing, she did a damn good job. She really did. Uh, she did not go to the Susan St. John or the Kathy Lee Griffith School of. <laughs> oh, first off, she puts Elvira. Her, <laughs> no, Elvira did a good job. She put her headset on and she could hear. <laughs> Requirements for being successful at WrestleMania: <laughs> putting on the headset. I don't hear you guys. I don't. I don't know. I, <laughs> what happens if you put the headset on? We left right in front of you there, Kathy. I'm sorry. What was that, Gorilla? <laughs> Moving on. We're gonna go talk about the 40 man battle royal between football players and wrestling. But Mary Hart, a more than serviceable job. I really enjoyed her. Actually, I thought she was really very good. Um, so you see uh, Bob and Mary Hart there um, throughout the night, uh, but. As as we we normally do when we get to these WrestleManias, you know, you're looking for that big opening match, and for the is this the first time we have a tag team match to open up a WrestleMania? I believe so. Sure is. We yeah. get Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. Mm-hmm. No cast for Cowboy. No, Bob. no cast with the magnificent Morocco. He's not average, and he looks like a million bucks. And Again, they have Mr. Fu- Mr. Fuji and as Mr. their Fuji. manager. Yeah. Uh, which is always you know, great with all see. of his ancient Chinese techniques. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Susan St. John. St. <laughs> James? It was I'm sorry, St. James. Nah, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have opponents. The Can Am Connection. 
boy. This is the first time we get to see Rick Martel. We get yeah. Rick Martel looking particularly model-esque. And Tim Zink, who's that? Doesn't matter. Look at those hip tosses. <laughs> I think it was Tom Zink, actually. To further prove your point that it doesn't matter. Is it Tim? <laughs> I think I it is Tim. Tom. It might be Tom. Tim. Mr. Zink. To further prove the point. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I actually really like the Canon connection. They uh, they really worked really well together. Uh, I mean, Rick Martel could could wrestle a broomstick. He, he, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, and an interesting thing at the beginning of this, apparently Jesse and Gorilla had not seen each other for a while huh. because they they immediately go in. Oh, it's nice seeing you again. It's been too long. It's just like. Wait, why is Jesse being nice to Gorilla? Like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> he just not... got back from filming Predator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. That makes sense. Which is funny. You'd think they would talk about them, but they don't. They yeah. don't. They do not mention once. It's like, he, because he, he filmed Predator, and then later that year he filmed The Running Man. But they make no attempt to promote either one of those movies. Uh, there's a ton of energy in the arena. I mean, it's big energy, big crowd. I mean, just like the the entire feel is like, holy shit, something's about to go down. Oh, yeah. And like like I said before, the these four guys had had they had surprisingly good chemistry. I was like, uh, I had seen, I, I've seen Bob Orton. I've seen Don Morocco. I've seen Martin Martell. I'd never even heard of the other half of the Can-Am connection. But like I said, <laughs> we didn't even try the Tim or Tom that time. We hit the other half. <laughs> Whoever he is, his hip tosses were beautiful. <laughs> oh, and they were over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People loved it. The crowd was the crowd was ready to go, and uh, this was a great tag team match. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a short one, uh, five minutes thirty seven seconds. Uh, Cannon win by pinfall after Mister Fuji, looking particularly Japanese, does not interfere very much. I was surprised. Uh, yeah, but there's a couple of things. So, sorry, Landon. Uh, you know, Morocco magnificently, of course, looks massive. He, he looks freaking huge. He's banging the roids there, isn't he? Uh, and yeah, and Martel and Morocco are in the ring together for a lot of this match, and they have phenomenal chemistry. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. And you know what we see in this match? A double monkey flip. Yes. Right? That's awesome. This is a lot of fun. It was. Uh, the camera work mm. significantly improved over last year. It makes me wonder if, if this is when Kevin Dunn joined the company. Because it was could a, be. Because we, you know, one of the things that we talked about at WrestleMania two was the production was Terrible. just poor, and a lot of that was because it was, you know, three different three locations. different locations. But it was it was, you know, subpar at best. Yep. And and we can tell right off the bat here during this first match that that really things have stepped up and the production's good and it's keeping up really really well with this fast paced tag match. Right, and it was a very it was fast paced all the way through. There was a fast paced finish with the drop kick, uh, uh, getting the cowboy out of the ring and. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe Martel tripped up uh, Morocco into into the schoolboy. It, it was it was a really good finish. I thought it was a solid. Oh yeah, tag match. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was nice having a WrestleMania start without a dirty finish. Exactly. Yeah, because we had two in a row with bullshit endings of the first match. Oh, right. Yeah. About, no about double that. count out. Oh, <laughs> awesome. About that, we'll, we'll see how well that goes the rest of the night. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but well, right now we're one for one and. That's about as far as they go. But the, the next match, uh, <laughs> next match is interesting. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, it's pronounced Billy Jerk Haynes <laughs> against uh, Hercules Hernandez. Along uh, uh, with no longer Hernandez. Oh, he dropped the just Hernandez. Hercules. Okay, excuse me. He dropped the Hernandez, picked up the chain, and, and also yes. and also picked up Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's correct. The there's a video package uh, build up for this match. Um, Maybe not. Maybe it's not the first in WrestleMania history, but it's the first non-main event 
package, I believe, in uh, in WrestleMania mm-hmm. history. Um, and trust me, there are a lot of packages on this card. <laughs> um, there is a backstage promo, though, after the package place, and it is a fantastic heel promo from Hernandez. I, I really enjoy Excuse me, Hercules. Uh, <laughs> and don't you forget it. <laughs> he dropped Hernandez. Yep, he's just Hercules now. Uh, it, it was really good stuff. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it was an interesting build altogether to this match that you kind of learned throughout watching this this video package uh, because it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, if you fast forward 20 years uh, of Chris Masters and the, Masters yeah. Lock, and the Master Lock Challenge uh, because this is what it was. You know, uh, Billy Jack Haynes does this full Nelson and Hercules does this full Nelson. And so they can't, you know, the the story is how are you going to how are you going to break out of the of the full Nelson? And that's what the build is into this match and the crowd is going nuts for this full Nelson. So it's oh, these yeah. two big guys trying to lock the full Nelson on each other and it goes over seven and a half minutes. Oh, I love that there's a couple there's two particular standout moments on commentary. Hard shots from two scary men. And these guys are both on Rubber Leg Street. <laughs> Thank you, Ventura. You know what's also super noteworthy about this match um, is, you know, we didn't get this in the first match because the guys were already in the ring. But the second match, they enter on the miniature rings. Yeah, the carts. Yeah, the yes. carts that, that look like the ring. So I think the story here is the ramp was so long it was in the Silver long. Dome that... It was a, It would have been impossible for Andre the Giant to make it to and from the ring. So that's what the cart was for. But they know they knew that if he's the only one on the cart, fans would see through it. So everybody gets the cart. And, and I, I loved it. Oh, it was fantastic. I wish they still did it. I love it a lot. But it was during this match we noticed what the cart girls slash ring girls were wearing. Those would be the uh, the Federettes. The Federettes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so basically, imagine wearing the pirate shirt from Seinfeld with a bright purple waistcoat, <laughs> and that's it. I think there's a there's a Kristen Wiig SNL outfit that is almost so. exactly the Federette costume. First time we saw him, I, I, I yeah, that's like, where she got her start. You literally, <laughs> you literally said like, "What the fuck is she wearing?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then the next match comes, I'm like. Oh my God, what the fuck is she wearing? <laughs> and then I caught it the match after that, and yeah. I said, what the fuck is she wearing? And then the match after that, they added a second one. <laughs> I'm like, they look, I, said, I think I said they look like pirate strippers. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's a really interesting contest between these two guys. Uh, you know, something that, that Jesse, the body says, he says, uh, much like a quarterback going out of bounds before getting hit when he's talking about, um, you know, talking about Hercules getting in and out of the ring. And it was interesting. It was an interesting little little reference. Yeah, it's uh, very intelligent. Yeah, it was a very smart, smart play by the body for sure. I, I just love at one point when Hercules does lock in the full Nelson, he gets a handful of Billy Jack's hair. And I'm like, the full Nelson hair lock is he is just mm-hmm. grabbing his hair. <laughs> this is an extremely physical contest. Oh, like for sure. Even, even before the bell rings, Dave Hebner has to try and separate these guys. Like they're ready to go. These are huge dudes. Like you don't realize how big they are because they're both so massive until they're standing next to Dave Hebner, who's not a little person. Like he's like your average size guy, and these two dwarf him. Uh, the only issue really i have with this match is the end are you referring to the uh, <sighs> multiple slow-mo chain shots which expose billy jack blading 
Oh, I com- tried to forget about that. <laughs> uh, I was actually referring to the double countout. Yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah, you know, we got one match. We got the opening tag match. That ended reg- relatively clean. But then, you know, at this point, WrestleMania does what WrestleMania does, and we get a double countout because uh, Billy Jack Haynes has the full Nelson on Hercules on the outside and just keeps it on him. But I'm sitting there going like, what are you doing? The referee's at five. Why are you locking in a submission hold? And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? And, like, and he gets to 10. And I'm like, if this happened now, the fans would riot. Speaking of things uh, that if they happen now, the fans would riot. Oh, match number three. Things, things are not looking up. As a matter of fact, you'll probably have to look down to see some of these competitors. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got a six-man tag. We got a six-man tag. It's Hillbilly Jim oh, versus amazing. King Kong Bundy. Who I forgot was in this WrestleMania. Which sounds like a solid match. I think you're overlooking some of these competitors, Spencer. You're right. And for that, I apologize. Because they have tag team partners, both of them. They both have tag team partners. Uh, Hillbilly Jim is accompanied by the ha- the Haiti kid. The one who was actually in the corner of Mr. T during the boxing match at WrestleMania 2. Uh, and and then, uh, what's the other guy's name again? Um, I almost just made a super inappropriate joke. But that, that would be a little beaver. And and the word uh, midget is tossed around the entire time a lot. during this 1987. match. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, it's very nineteen eighty-seven. Thirty-two years ago. Um, Bob Uecker's on commentary, and he just says some things that are not super great. Um, but ultimately, the match ends because uh, you know who knows what happens. There's a disqualification. He'll he'll Billy, uh, he'll I, Billy I, Jim I, does really, a cartwheel at one point. Yeah, That's kind of fun. I was just say I've written down like four things. Cartwheel by Hillbilly Jim, DQ. The match ends. Uh, so there actually was some really good wrestling between the competitors of the match. Yeah. I oh, think. yeah. I, I was actually impressed by what they were doing, and I wish that it would have been taken seriously. I had no issues with the fact that these men were in the ring wrestling. I had no they problem. were doing a very good job. I had no problem with that. I enjoyed their match. Because they, they were wrestling. It was good wrestling. The actual problem comes with the way it's portrayed with the commentary team yeah i mean that that's that's most of it because they, they sandbag the whole match yeah it, they, they don't take it seriously so you you're there's no way you as a fan are going to take them seriously in the ring um because it really had a chance because the the guys were talented it was talented i honestly talented believe people. if that you take out hillbilly jim and king kong bundy and just gave those four like five minutes it would have been a, a decent match but instead, it's like, huh, look at these short guys. Huh, they think they're wrestlers. I'm like, well, they're out wrestling the two big guys. So It couldn't have possibly know. been any more forgettable than what it is now. Pretty much. Uh, I also don't understand the DQ. I don't uh, either. So one of the competitors of the match attacks Bundy. Bundy hits him back and gets DQ. DQ. He he hit a competitor of the match. Well, I think I think is what it, what it was is that it was almost like we how we treat mixed tag matches right now, right? Uh, where you know men have to wrestle men, women have to wrestle women. Uh, but in this instance, it was your little person had to wrestle a little person, and and that's it. Uh, and I so I think that's where the disqualification comes from. The whole thing's ridiculous. Though. It's, it, it begs it the went, question: Why bother doing this? Right. It went three minutes and 25 seconds. If you're not going to take it seriously, why do it? 
Yeah, like yeah. you know, three minutes. The whole segment with interest is like under five minutes, and it was five minutes too long. You can one, give every other every other segment like another thirty seconds, and nobody would complain. But one thing I noticed during this match, when I wasn't really paying attention uh, to the match itself, was that there was no stage, and so, so back then they didn't really have these big elaborate stages like we have now. And no stage allows for more seating. Yes. Yeah. And I just still, to this point, couldn't get over how many people they jam-packed in that place. They did. Oh, yeah. It was, quote-unquote, 93,000 people. It was, I mean, it was a lot of people in reality. And it was really cool because you didn't have to have the stage because you, they didn't get a camera on the, the stars coming down to the ring until they were almost there because they were riding the cart. So there was plenty of space for people. And when they do the big you know, shot from above, it's insane looking because they're everywhere absolutely everywhere um but three matches in i mean that's two in a row already that ended in in a, a non-finish yeah basically speaking of non-finishes the next match which uh let's just say this next match is a little racy speaking of 1987 we have king harley race with the fabulous moolah and bobby heenan with their very uh colorful uh promos leading to this match Against Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog, who I still, three WrestleManias in, am saying that he was the most over oh, he is. guy. We've talked about it every time. Him and Hogan get the loudest pops of the night. It's yeah. amazing. He's the most over guy there. I love it. I love it so much. And it's just a shame that, that he didn't reach greater heights because of the time period he was in. Because he, he deserved it. He was so, so over. And, and this match, I mean, what he gets saddled with is a loser must bow, bow match. Bow, yeah. Uh, we we talked earlier about Bob Uger and um, help me Mary Hart Mary Hart were coming in to fill a commentary role just a- as an extra person on commentary and Uger was on the commentary uh, desk for the previous match but when Moolah comes out he leaves and I love how they do this they transition him out they don't just say okay bye Bob Bob's like well I'm gonna go get with Moolah. <laughs> it's like he's like really playing a part here, and it, I I appreciated it. Yeah, and that's that's why uh, Bob Uecker and Mary Hart are, are two of the better celebrities to ever have been involved with WrestleMania because of how well they play their roles. I completely agree with that. I I think that it's subtle, but it's really fun. Would you say that they know their role? I well, they certainly didn't shut their mouth. Nah, Thank you. Is. I was waiting yeah. for somebody to set that one up. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to spin it, but yeah, uh, Landon did it very well. It doesn't matter what their role is. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Harley Race gets king music. And As it in, is the king music. Yes. Yeah. As and, in the music that Jerry was, the King Lawler comes out to now. And it was not dubbed. That was what he walked out to in 87. Which is crazy to think that they've had that music uh, right. copyrighted for that long. Right. Um, you know, they they have some promos before they're, they enter their match. Um, if you want to go feel uncomfortable, feel free to go watch them. Um, but... Uh, Uger leaves, like Landon said, and this match is, it's only four minutes and 22 seconds, and it's basically um, a junkyard dog trying to take, you know, trying to not get caught up in the numbers game. Race misses a diving headbutt to the outside in this match. Yep. And it hurts my soul. The bumps he takes in this match are scary. Because he was not a young man at this point. No, not not at all. Uh, but Junkyard Dog hits his patented, you know, headbutt, and, well, uh, and Gorilla Monsoon. What I love is because you're right. 
Harley Race misses the diving headbutt on the outside, but he does the diving headbutt in the ring, and he's like, oh, shit, that hurt. Like, oh, that's right. Junkyard dog headbutts don't affect him. Yeah, yep, that's his whole thing. That's the thing. And it, it, that makes for such an excellent pairing between these two because that's Harley Race's thing is to do the diving headbutt, but that doesn't work on Junkyard Dog. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, that, and that's why he struggles so much against him. But when, when JYD goes and does his, uh, his headbutts, on, while he's on his knees, his patented headbutts, right? Uh, Gorilla Monsoon says, uh, Junkyard Dog on all fours, his favorite position. Ugh. They had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Race does end up pinning Junkyard Dog, even though, to me, it looks like clearly Junkyard Dog kicked out. Oh, he definitely kicked out. Uh, so it, it was kind of a shit finish, and because of the loss, JYD must bow down and kneel to the king. Like I said, though, that's... Four matches in, three straight fucked finishes. But we do get uh, Junkyard Dog crowning Harley Race with a chair. Well, oh, I love he curtsies to Moolah. Oh, I love it. And then he bows to Race and then immediately, right, smashes him with the chair. And then he puts the robe on and then goes down the, uh, the, the, ring, the, the ring car while wearing the, the cloak, waving to the fans like he's a king. And it's a, it's I a, love it. It's a great like ending picture for that segment for like all the weird stuff about and it. Anytime I talk about him, that's what you see. You see him wearing the robe, like doing his dance while everyone is on their feet cheering for him. So very racist build, questionable outcome, but the shot of him on that cart, like, yeah, there you go. Love it. Yeah, totally love it. Gotta, I just love seeing JYD. It's just a lot of fun. Um, but match number five, we're cruising right along, and we're on to uh, what technically is our third tag team match already. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And we've got the Dream Team, uh, which is, of course, uh, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine, uh, who, who has uh, Johnny Valiant and Dino Bravo, yeah. which is super random. Dino but, Bravo, who just walks up and starts speaking French. Right, right in, in their corner, uh, versus uh, the Rougeau brothers, uh, Jacques and Raymond. Yeah, um, Jacques, who actually going to become the Mountie, yeah, there you go. A little, little Paul trivia for you. And Ray Rougeau, who went on to become Ray Rougeau. <laughs> Who's still the lead French commentator to this day. Yep. Son of a bitch. He is. He yep. sure is. And he looks, <laughs> he looks like a million bucks, too. He has not aged a day in like 32 he years. He just broke Spencer. Yep. <laughs> French That's wild. Ray Rougeau. Ah, that, that <laughs> beautiful him. mustache. That's him. I did not ever make that connection. That is beautiful. Uh, what I love about this match is Bobby the Brain Heenan jumps on commentary. He does. He does. And I was so distracted by that that I didn't notice Beefcake's pants. What the fuck? How did you not notice Beefcake's pants? What, what pants? Is like He's like wearing floss at this point. So so Beefcake's pants are, are similar to what you would see. You know, I, I've seen Trish Stratus in pants that are very similar to these where it's they're, they're tights, but there's like little sections of it. Little? Well, larger than that. Sections of it that are... Uh, cut out. I, sheer. sheer. They're sheer. Yeah, they're, they're sheer, so you see through them. You see a little bit more of beefcake than you'd like. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's real weird. <laughs> and uh, it would just go on to just keep getting worse. He and, would progressively uh, yeah. wear less and less. And the only thing worse than uh, his attire might be this match. I was not a fan. Well, it, it's another one that's not taken seriously because really the only thing that, that it, you're kind of put in the direction to care about is Bobby Heenan on commentary because he's talking about how he's two and two on the night so far. And, and you're really just looking back at the night with him so far about how he's been victorious because it's building towards the main event because he's going to be with Andre the giant in the main event. And that's, and that's what they're doing. They're selling the main event 
during this contest. Exactly. And the Rougeau brothers, you know, unfortunately have all sorts of really good, awesome tag team moments. They really do. Um, some good double team moments. And it ends with uh, another wonky finish because Dino Bravo interferes and, and the dream team wins due to interference. But, but at least it's a pin. It's, it's not like a DQ, no double count out, no blown finish. So I was like thinking, okay, bullshit but at least they fucking pin somebody well and something interesting happens after the bell uh the dream team actually abandons brutus they leave him behind yeah one thing uh, plays into the next match as sort of a spillover story there's one thing we didn't mention because we all laughed our asses off when we watched it at one point jacques rougeau does what we all called the teabag (laughs) (laughs) a top he, he literally does like a top rope like i get i think he was going for like a leg lariat but he ends up just sitting on Beefcake's chest. And I'm like, teabag there by the Mountie. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to call it. Even though diving Mountie. <laughs> even though... He certainly mounted him with that move. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> even though uh, that, there was a pinfall in that matchup, that's four out of five that, that were dirty finishes or no contest or whatever it was. So we've had one match so far that was a clean finish. Uh, On to match number six now. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who of course was in the main event of WrestleMania 1, he he basically has a a rematch and a boxing match with Mr. T the following year at WrestleMania 2. This year it's billed as his farewell Farewell. match. Uh, And he's going against gorgeous Adrian Adonis who, for the love of God, I wish we didn't have to talk about. Um, He's much better in this WrestleMania yes. much His, than uh, he was in WrestleMania 2. So it made me feel much, much better. Yeah, he's far less, like, somebody clicked him, hey, maybe tone down. I mean, I know it's like 30 years ago. We didn't have a, a lot of issues with this, but watching WrestleMania 2 felt extremely transphobic. <laughs> so WrestleMania 3, like, oh, no, no, he's just wearing a little bit of makeup. Okay, that's a, lot, that's a little better. <laughs> I love Roddy promos. Oh, they're so good. In this promo, there's no interviewer. They just gave him a mic, and that's the best. Just give Roddy a mic and go. That's all he needs. It, it's like a John Moxley promo. Yeah, it's just just give him a mic, leave him alone, and he's gonna blow your blow your mind. Yeah, and 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 further to kind of the point of how Piper is just sort of this enigma. Uh, he doesn't use the cart to get to the ring. He walks on down. He's like, I got it. Oh, he you know, walks, I don't need it. Some dickhead throws a beer at him in yep. the middle of his entrance, and he is like just soaked, and he immediately just kind of like. Runs his fingers through his hair and like starts smiling, chewing gum. Like, ah, fuck you, I don't care. Uh, uh-uh, Which is uh-uh. fine because it's a hair versus hair match. It is. And Adrian Adonis walks out with clipping shears. Hmm. We're talking like full on produce the barber beefcake hedge trimmers. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they're yeah. Well, they're yeah. They're hedge trimmers. But <laughs> well, they, they call them shears. Well, and, and well, at this point, they're not produce the barber beefcake no. shears. But that doesn't last for very long. Oh no. And I just. For one, was one thing about this match that did bug me a little bit. Um, was this a country whipping match? There were no damn rules in this match. Apparently, not a lot. Like, uh, you know, Adrian Adonis is accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart, and Jimmy Hart is basically another competitor in this match. And they yeah. use that belt, right? Like you're talking about. Oh yeah, like Adrian gets like whipped considerably. Like I think Piper's first bet of offense is to whip him with his belt. Well, so we talked about. Uh, Piper had announced that he was leaving WWF to go film a movie. So the crowd is showing their support for him. They're all kind of like, uh, you know, 
attire and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and signs saying, you know, don't, please don't go. Uh, but this is not Piper's final WrestleMania match. Not, no, not by a long back. shot. Yeah. One thing that Adonis does in this match that kind of blew my mind was he does the flare turnbuckle spot. Yes, he does. Yeah. This is a large man to, a do the, to, yeah. to do the flare spot. It looked really good. My favorite moment is at one point, Piper just picks up Jimmy Hart and then throws him at Adrian. And the first thing that popped in my head was the, I'm going to beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker meme. Because <laughs> that's how he's holding him. Like, ah! <laughs> uh, eventually, we get to uh, Adonis putting on the his finisher, which is a sleeper, but they call it the goodnight Irene. But in comes Brutus Beefcake. Like, ooh, what's Brutus doing out here? Yeah, Brutus Beefcake from from last match after he gets left by by Heenan and the or by uh, Valiant and the gang, and he's back out the very next match to help Piper win by submission. And when you know what, Piper locks in his own sleeper hold, mm-hmm. arm goes down three times, and then in a shocking moment, Adrian Adonis is being shaved by Brutus the barber. Also, uh, if your hair is wet and you have, uh, for instance, if you have long wet hair, uh, if you're going to use clippers, put a fucking blade guard on them. Ouch. Is this the first, is this where, where Brutus Beefcake gets the barber from, from, from this moment? Like, oh, this yeah. is where it starts? Yep. Yeah. This is it. This is where it starts. He gets, he gets a taste for cutting people's hair. That's really interesting, isn't it? But all I can really say about this match is, who could have known that Uncle Elmer was the weak link? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from WrestleMania 2. Because that was like yeah. just the worst match I've ever seen in my life. And and this match, I'm like, holy shit, Adrian Adonis. I mean, it's a fucking boss. Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, much improved Adonis in in the in WrestleMania 3. Ultimately, 6 minutes and 33 seconds. Roddy Piper, uh, in what was billed as his farewell match, he was hey. not going to lose. And, and then, he doesn't. Uh, wouldn't you know, eh? somebody runs in the ring to congratulate Roddy. <laughs> and Roddy's like, oh yeah, thanks a lot. And then Roddy gets on the ring cart when they... They very care how they shoot this, but you immediately see the security. Yeah, just rush the ring and pull. This that's fan. right. That's yeah, right. The fan running. Yeah, it wasn't just. Some, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, that definitely happened. Oh, and I, I actually loved it because Piper handled it so well. He just so he well. shook the guy's hand oh, yeah, and the, got uh, out the ring and let security take care of the rest. Well, the guy clearly was. He just wanted to give. He like just a, wanted yeah, to say, he's hey. like, "Oh my god, Piper, I love you so much." Oh shit, I'm being attacked by security. <laughs> Oops, genius. Yeah. Uh, so we're already six matches in, you know, we're, we're flying through it. WrestleMania three, uh, you know, it helps because these matches are super short and they don't have definitive finishes. So we can just move yeah, on pretty much. We're just kind of flying through. Uh, but we actually have a definitive finish there, which is nice. Plenty of interference, plenty of weird stuff happening, but a clean finish, so to speak. Um, but that brings us to the seventh match of the night. Dangerous Danny Davis with the Hart Foundation. So another six-man tag versus the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Arriba, I mean, look, arriba. <laughs> look at the guys in this match. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that, there's a lot of talent, and then Danny Davis in this match. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Davis making his debut after being suspended as a referee. For life, plus 10 years. That's right. <laughs> so what does he wear? He wears his zebra, his black and white. Woo! It's so good. I really liked it. I really did, too. Uh, you know, the, there was another matchup here that we hadn't talked about. You know, like, you could talk about the Hart Foundation versus the Bulldogs. Tito Santana trying to get his revenge on, quote-unquote, dangerous Danny Davis. Uh, but the real matchup that really stands out to me in this one is Matilda versus Jimmy Hart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. 
<laughs> yeah, Davey comes out with the dog. Oi, get a Matilda. And he immediately <laughs> Matilda. Um, I swear, Jimmy Hart must have had sausages in his pocket. She ran right she ran to him. Right to Jimmy. <laughs> and then me like pulls his jacket off. Um, so pretty early on in this match, Brett gets dropped on his head by Tito. Oh yeah, Tito yeah. using his concussion-based offense here. <laughs> Remember we all looked like, oh, is Brett okay? And then he gets up and he's like, looks a little confused. And you're like, oh, he's fine. I'm like, Landon, there's blood coming out of his mouth. <laughs> but see, the best part though is you have all this is going on, and Bret Hart looks like he's about to meet his maker, uh, and Gorilla is. Is pushing the shit out of him. He's yeah, like, yeah. He oh, says, Bret Hart there. He's a, Bret Hart's uh, the most improved wrestler in the like, and he's like on Dream like, Street. <laughs> blood. He's gurgling blood. I was like, Bret Hart is going to be a uh, long time champion. <laughs> the, the, the worst part is that while that's happening, like while the three of us are sitting here watching it, I'm kind of defending it. I'm like, ah, he could have just like bit his tongue something <laughs> when he hit his head. Blood. Like, sure, he, he looks fine. Walking to the wrong turnbuckle. He's fine. All Ah, it's it's good, uh, but we have sort of an Orange Cassidy esque moment here with Danny. Uh, Danny gets tagged in, kicks <laughs> his opponent twice, and then tags <laughs> out. Tags back. Uh, the anvil. Yeah, how stiff is oh, Jim Neidhart in this one? And I'm talking about punches. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but seriously, you are talking about the sausages in Jimmy Hart's pocket. <laughs> I'd say he's as stiff as the anvil they named him after. Yeah, there you go. I mean, oh. he hits hard in this one. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be fair, <laughs> look at sausages to, in his pocket. To, to be fair, he is wrestling the British Bulldogs, who are notoriously for being stiff. These these men, like Mick Foley's first match with WWF was against the British Bulldogs, and he had to had to wire his jaw. He had to drink straws for like a month because they broke his jaw off of one move. Man, the Hart Foundation were the tag champs at this point. But when you think about the great tag teams of of the 80s and 90s, you think Hart Foundation and Bulldogs for a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Um, So, you know, you add Tito Santana is awesome, is an awesome addition. Obviously, Danny Davis, I mean, whatever. But (laughs) but, uh, generally speaking, these guys were not going to go out there and have a bad match. Well, and I was extremely impressed with the jumping tombstone pile driver from Davy Boy. <laughs> yeah, to, Dan, to Danny Davis. <laughs> to Danny Davis. Ooh. Followed up by the patented running power slam. Oh, it was beautiful. I got to say, though, uh, more on Brett being concussed. Uh, if you go back and you watch his sequence with Dynamite Kid, it's all like, oh, you're concussed? Here's a few more headbutts for you, buddy. <laughs> Oh, you're not good I enough? Was Here's a diving yeah. headbutt. Are you concussed yet? Oh, you're coughing up blood? Cough up some bile now. <laughs> I hate your father, Brett. <laughs> he always hated your brother, Owen. Um, but we get yet another dirty win uh, with uh, the megaphone hit from Davis. Yep. To Brett Hart. Luckily, the uh, tag belts were not on the line. Yeah. No, so uh, Davis and the Hart Foundation win via pinfall in eight minutes and 52 seconds. But, you know, again, was what was some really pretty solid action, a pretty fun storytelling, uh, was kind of soiled with a weird finish. So that's unfortunate. But it brings us to our next match, number eight, uh, which was a really interesting one because it's our very first. We have Butch Reed uh, with Slick as his the manager. The natural Butch Reed. That's right. The natural um, against Coco Beware. The Birdman. How about that? When it comes to Coco Beware, guys, drop kicks are the name of the game. Guys, it it's fun to see Coco. Uh, so good. Coco is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated guys from, oh, his, yeah. from his time. Yeah, and he's another one that's super over. Unfortunately, there's not a lot going here. No. No, it's, it's three minutes and 39 but seconds. But would you believe that Coco Beware and the Honky Tonk Man... 
both trained in the same barn. Really? Mm-hmm. In the same barn. Same barn. <laughs> they wrestled the same pig. <laughs> no, but according to Honky Tonk Man, they drank from the same trough as the pig. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on record, Honky Tonk Man, excuse me, Hall of Famer Honky Tonk Man once said in an interview, JBL may have the clothesline from hell, but Coco Beware had the drop kicks from hell. Oh, man. They were good. I believe that. I mean, as pretty as it gets. They're beautiful. There's and, a reason they call him the Birdman. And he can fly. Yeah. Apparently, those are some stiff right. drop kicks, too. Uh, you know, Butch Reed was a former football player. Yes, he was. Wow. Yeah. Former football player. And so he it's cool. Hey, he's got Slick out there as his manager. Um, and he actually gets the win over Coco Beware well, by pulling the tights. <laughs> With the wedgie pin. Yeah. Yeah. Again, another dirty finish. But uh, five out of eight. Five out of eight heels have won at WrestleMania three so far. So far. Um, but Reed's going to try to attack Coco Beware after the match. And he gets saved by Tito Santana, who was just in the last match. So... That's that's it's just interesting to me. After this one, Butch Reed would actually go to WCW, and he actually won tag titles with Ron Simmons. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There you go. Uh, so we're eight matches in, and it's all felt very mediocre to me. Yes. But the meat oh, of yeah. WrestleMania three is coming the up. The beef. You mean the stuff in Jimmy's pockets? Exactly. Exactly. The beef. Vince McMahon's beef. Comes in the next, in our, ne- our next contest. It's one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. It's a match that we've actually been recommend, uh, recommended a lot for our podcast, for our main uh, show last match, and for good reason, because this is by far the best match on this card. It is uh, one of the matches that people think of when they think of WrestleMania. Oh, I yeah. mean, almost always. It is arguably one of the most classically great matches ever and it's a great rivalry it's ricky the dragon steamboat with george the animal steel alongside of him against the macho man randy savage with miss elizabeth and it is for the intercontinental championship the intercontinental heavyweight championship yes. mm-hmm. and this one i'm so glad it was for the intercontinental championship mm-hmm. i think matches like this one are what give the Intercontinental Championship the prestige that yeah. uh, that we may sometimes forget. Yeah. Nowadays, so, based on how they treat that championship. Well, the reason why title. it's called the workhorse title. Yeah. And them to go out there and do this just it really makes that belt matter more. But one thing about this match that I forgot about was the attempted murder build that we get. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting build. Uh, I, I think it's a really, really great story. It's a great video package uh, showing Savage crushing the larynx of the dragon. Yeah. Uh, and we actually get a little bit of a callback uh, during the match mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, how how are George the Animal Steel and Miss Elizabeth involved? Well, George won't take his shirt off yet again, <laughs> but he is smitten with Miss Elizabeth, and he's the neutralizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so he's basically kind of evening the sides with Ricky Steamboat, but he is uh, definitely, there's a sort of feeling, especially after there was a Saturday Night Main event where uh, George Animal Steel basically kidnaps Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, that was a little creepy. Yeah, it, it, but it, but George Steele was looked at as this lovable, like, oh, he just wants to take care of her. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, but of course, Randy Savage is like out to kill him. Because yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a match that's got all the story and all the character you could possibly want 
in the world. And uh, during the promos before this match, Randy Savage is actually not part of it initially. Uh, Mary Hart is interviewing Miss Elizabeth about the contest and, and about Savage. Savage comes in. Complete and utter rage. <laughs> it was good stuff. Like, Whoa, it was great. Okay. It was great. He basically blocks Miss Elizabeth from the yeah. camera and is like, I can't believe you're talking to her. This is about me. Like, we doing talking to Liz. You want to talk to the macho men? Yes, macho madness. Mm, dragon steamboat. Uh, I may have crushed the lyrics, uh, but tonight uh, the macho man is going to retain the Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Break out! And his entrance. <laughs> I mean, only select stars had entrance music at this point. Macho's music, pomp and circumstance, love it. Who would have thought? Well, let's let's use pomp and circumstance. I mean, so good, so fitting for him. And I mean, I just I can't hear that song without thinking about it. No, every time, which every graduation, graduation I yeah. go to. <laughs> oh yeah, man! I wish he would have spoken in my graduation. Oh, could you imagine a a? <laughs> could you imagine a Randy Savage, uh, you know, commencement speech? Glis. What was your high school again? Uh, oh, no, what was your year? Uh, 2010. The class of 2010. This is the Macho Man Randy Savage. I just want to say I want to freak out because I'm proud of all you. <laughs> God, machismo. You are all the true Macho Man women of the class of 2010. <laughs> Dig it! <laughs> I think it would have gone something exactly like that. Snap to a slip chip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cup of coffee in high school. Cup of coffee in college. And then cup of coffee in the big time. <laughs> uh, and then Steamboat has kind of an over-the-top promo himself. He says, the dragon will scorch your back. <laughs> okay, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, like, and he has some out. very intense music when he comes to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, and he's and he's saddled with George the Animal Steel, which is so so interesting uh, because those characters are not really very similar. But it is cool to see Sav- uh, Steamboat have sort of uh, this friend watching his back. Uh, but was, was something kind of playing off of the Savage and Elizabeth almost protection and and Savage not wanting to take any have any of the spotlight taken away from him at this point. Uh, very early on in the match, um, Elizabeth isn't exactly in Savage's corner. She's like on one of the other sides of the ring and nothing was happening. She that's just where she had walked to or whatever. And Savage makes it a point to get out of the ring and walk yeah, her all her the way back to his corner, which I think is a great bit of storytelling. Yeah, I love that. It's like, well, Elizabeth, you need to get away from George Animal Steel. He's looking at you with that green tongue. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so I think it's Jesse, the body that says, uh, who's, Steamboat's got a lot of heart, but I'd say he's got a lot of throat. He recovered so quickly from that throat injury. <laughs> you ever gotten that compliment, Landon? You know, I, I do kind of have a lot of throat myself. Paul? No. But I'll, I'm going to quote, um, do another Macho Man quote. It's like, he's got a, uh, he got a lot of, a little of that. Not a little bit, but a whole lot of little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very obscure uh, reference. Sorry, I had to do it. Beautiful arm drags throughout. Oh, I mean, obviously, gorgeous. you got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in there. Um, at one point... Um, it was like a two-handed choke. I'm like, whoa! Well, so, I don't want to go into too much detail on this one, because I have a feeling we might talk about this again. But, Elizabeth. 
as always, looking extremely concerned. Every time yeah. they pan the camera over to Elizabeth, I mean, it looks like you, you need to go console her. <laughs> oh, pretty much, yeah. Which is what George Steele wants to do. And this is like what I've dubbed like the fastest counterfest that I've seen up to this point anyway. Uh, man, just counter after counter after counter. These men know each other. Oh, these two had such excellent They chemistry. did. They really did. Ricky skins the cat. It's beautiful. We get some throat-based offense by Savage you know, as a callback to how this build started. And just the moment that everybody remembers, because it is in every video package ever, when Randy goes up for the elbow and there are 78,000 flashbulbs going off as he comes down, and I'm thinking, oh, that's how the match ends, right? Oh, no, there's no referee. Yeah, Henry got knocked down. So, so there is no ref at that point. So. Right. Uh, so he decides to shove the timekeeper into the barricade. Barricade spot. Thank you. Uh, and he gets the ring bell. And George ends up taking the bell from Savage. And uh, he's all distracted. Dragon rolls him up for the win. Small package. Yeah. How about that? Uh, this match went 14 and a half minutes. Yep. It's the longest match of the night. 14 and a half minutes. And... You know, it was it was so good that you almost forget that the first eight matches were not gr- not good. Uh, and match nine more than delivers, and it's why you remember WrestleMania three. Oh, it's excellent. It, it was it was really really stupendous, and and really uh, they kind of keep that momentum moving forward because the rest of the night is pretty good. It's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. So moving on from that, I mean, hard to top that. Like you're you're going to be in a tough spot following that. But they do it with Jake Roberts, who's got Alice Cooper, by the way. Uh, as as his manager against the honky tonk man with Jimmy Hart because by the way it's not WrestleMania three unless Jimmy Hart or Bobby Heenan aren't your manager pretty yep. much he, he was bringing the sausage back out uh, uh, right. know, I guess he shook off Matilda in the back uh, I guess that this that sounds appropriate <laughs> uh, it, uh, out of the what twelve matches half of them on this card uh, ha- are either have someone or a team managed by either Jimmy Hart or Bobby Heenan yeah pretty much. Which is which is super interesting, um, but uh, this this match, uh, Jake Roberts Honky Tonk again, two. Uh, it's a match that pits two definitely um, different characters against each other. It, it pits these two characters that that are kind of polar opposites. Well, you get a wrestler who is pretty much a character and like it's a gimmick and an entrance versus a pure wrestler. Yeah. How about Honky Tonk Man's promo? Yeah. I mean, this guy. Didn't need a manager. I was shocked when he came out with Jimmy Hart because I was need like, Jimmy. he does not need a manager. No, this guy has it all. He's and got I, his long sideburns and his hair slicked back. He's coming to your town in a pink Cadillac. And he's just a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. He's just a honky tonk man. He's cool. He's cocky. He's bad. And he wins this match. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. I love Honky Tonk Man, and I love him in the opposite corner against Alice Cooper. You have rock and roll versus metal, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just yes. like it's it's a WrestleMania kind of yep. feel. Yep. Um, it's good back and forth match. Uh, Jake does hit the barricade real hard on the outside. Uh, it kind of like I was concerned. <laughs> they actually do a slam to the floor too. Uh, Honky yeah. Tonk Man gets gets. Scoop slammed onto the floor. You didn't really see a lot of that. Oh, yeah, like uh-uh. um, Honky's in control for most of the match. What, you got a problem with me saying Honky? That's his name, damn it. <laughs> no, no problem at all on a, on a card that features Harley Race and Junkyard Dog in a loser must bow match. <laughs> By all means, say whatever you want. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, but no, that's literally what they called him. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no. 
<laughs> which makes it worse. Uh, Jimmy grabs Jake's leg and uh, honky tonk uh, rolls Jake up and grabs the rope for the win. So it's a it's another heel finish, right? I've lost count at how many heels got wins in this one. I think we're up to eight. But we get some revenge with Damien. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Alice Cooper comes in and he pulls Damien out and just throws it onto Jimmy Hart. He's like, hey, no, no, let's hello. He's been attacked by a dog. Yeah, he, he must have still had the sausage in there. <laughs> now he's been attacked by a snake. And he's always going out like, oh, they bit me. That's why that's how a snake bit me. Before a seven-minute match with a, a dirty finish, um, some pretty solid action. Pretty solid action between very good two really good characters. So totally, totally happy that this one was on the card. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, then we go to our final tag team match of the night. Well, before that, we do get the Gene comes out. I would like to point out oh, that right. we have set a new indoor attendance record. 93,000. 78,201. Take up a round of applause. Ah. It's kind of a really cool moment. Um, but I mean, you were very used to that now, you know, the coming out and announcing the attendance, uh, but it was really cool. It felt kind of monumental, even, even watching it now. It was just missing the rock lighting his name on fire. That's it. Oh man. <laughs> That's all we needed. I, I wish I could have seen Gene Okerlund try and write his long ass name on fire. <laughs> <laughs> with a flamethrower. <laughs> Can you imagine Gene Okerlund with a flamethrower? Yeah. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> Oh, that's but cool. that cigarette out. <laughs> that's a call back. Or else. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's got the flea. But, uh, but you're right. We we get our yeah. last tag match. And it, would it be wrestle? <laughs> would it be WrestleMania if we didn't get the Russian or Soviet national anthem? Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, with Slick, the manager, who uh, whose clothes, by the way, were ripped up. Um, by oh. uh, by Coco Beware. I, f- I forgot to tell you. <laughs> they still are for this They one. are still ripped up when he comes back to manage uh, Sheik and Volkov. Meanwhile, um, Bobby Heenan has changed like three different suits for every appearance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, ring is absolutely littered with trash the whole time during this match. because of, At was, some point oh, at the, in the night, when someone Volkov, decided it would be a great idea to throw trash and then everyone else was just like... Oh, what a novel idea. Oh, when Volkov started singing the national anthem, there was a, a few things thrown in there. Yeah, and the ref makes little attempt to uh, to clear no, the there's ring. There's trash in the ring the entire yeah, match. Yeah, the whole match. But now, they're, they're facing the killer bees. Dave Hebner does like catch a piece of trash that's about to hit Volkov as he's singing. That was impressive. It was impressive. It was impressive. But uh, the killer bees, who are, of course, uh, B. Brian Blair and uh, Jim Brunzel. Accompanied by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. How about Hello. that? Uh, we have some wonderful uh, jiggle physics on uh, Zangief. <laughs> I mean, uh, Volkov. <laughs> jiggle. There are. There's like beautiful jiggle physics on this one. Um, Hacksaw does hit Sheik with the 2x4. Yeah. Why else is he there? Uh, his 2x4 with the tiniest, most pathetic little American flag I've ever seen. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like a little American flag was like a, a miniature American flag was stapled to the two by four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, DQ by Duggan, who's an idiot, and then cuts a promo. Oh, we're going to have a match where everybody follows the rules. 
What rules would those be, Jim? The ones you just broke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> USA, break the rules, then complain about it. <laughs> I mean, I would just like to say that even though this was really just a nothing match um, that lasted for five minutes and 44 seconds. It uh, was a pee break match. It was. But what I really liked about it was uh, Jim Brunzel, who I will never hear of again, probably, um, had a really nice dropkick. Did you know he once released a hit single named Matlands? Was it excuse a, me? Was it a hit single mm-hmm. or just a single? No, hit single. Wow. Yeah, he got permission from Bruce Springsteen to sample the song Badlands and rewrote it as a wrestling match. It's called Matlands. <laughs> there is only one person on the planet I know that would know that information. Oh, I learned that one from Boom Boom Colt Cabana. No, there you go. You know, yeah, I- Jim Brunzel in the art of wrestling. I can't imagine that that is a hit. Sorry. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe Apologies uh, to all the all maybe the that'll Maybe that'll be our uh, our permanent intro music for this. Did this you show? also know that Jim Brunzel and the Iron Sheik trained together at Vern Gagne's training camp? Oh, well, that makes all the sense in the world because they're against each other here. I guess the uh, Iron Sheik had something to do with them being on the card. Maybe. maybe you know so. who else was in that same training camp? Ric Flair. Wow. Wow. Yep. Sure enough. In the barn. Yeah. Is it? Are we back to the barn? That's the second barn story, isn't Wrestling it? Wrestling pigs. That's how they all learn. <laughs> nah, listen, I mean, impressive. And finally, we've made it to the end of the card. Match 12, the main event. And uh, obviously, everyone, if you think about WrestleMania moments, this one comes to mind every time. And most arguably, um, it comes to your mind first. Um, it is probably the most played moment in WrestleMania history over and over again. Um, it's, the, it's the moment that casual fans think about. It's the moment that people that aren't fans know about. Um, it's Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Main event of WrestleMania three. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people don't mention how Bobby Heenan was there. Uh, he was. But yeah. Bobby Heenan does so much for the wrestling industry as a whole, not to mention, you know, WrestleMania three in particular. I, I just think it's worth noting that, uh, Bobby Heenan was a part of this really important match. Yeah. And, and it gets left out a lot, but you know what I remember is Andre coming down to the ring in the little mini ring cart. He did alongside Bobby Heenan, who's wearing this magnificent suit. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, glitter glam everywhere. And they're completely covered in beer by the time they make it to the ring. Yeah. Um, because that's what's happening because oh, yeah. Andre is the big heel in this match and, and, and Heenan, of course, is. Um, but they they still look as important as could be. Oh, yeah, but if we're going to talk about this match, there's one thing we talk about, and that is that Piper's Pit segment. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I've seen it, uh, you know, a hundred times. So basically what happens is Andre the Giant receives a trophy for being undefeated for 15 years. Hulk Hogan is awarded a new WWF championship belt. Like, I was like, and then Andre just kind of has his trophy. He puts it down and he walks out. Well, what's going on there? And then a couple weeks later, you have Hogan's back on Piper's pit and Jitter says, I will produce Andre the Giant next week if you can produce the Hulkster, dude. Next week, Hulk's there. Bobby Heenan walks out. What's Bobby Heenan doing here? Here comes Andre the Giant. And Hulk's like, what are you doing here with him, Andre? 
I came here for one reason, or one reason, and that's to challenge you for a wrestling match at the WrestleMania. And he's like, and you don't believe that? Believe this. And then, Hogan, sorry, Andre rips off the shirt and the crucifix. Leaving Hogan bleeding on the chest. Huge moment. Which I think it's, it's one of the biggest in wrestling history, period. But how about that just symbolism, whether it was intentional or not, but to leave the blood there when it's the crucifix that's stabbing Hogan when it gets ripped off of him. Amazing, amazing stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, oh, and cried. the the Hogan promo we get to you know on at, during WrestleMania three before this match to to hype it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, to beat me, you got to beat every little Hulkamaniac in the world. I mean, he just Hulk Hogan had it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, say what you want about the man. Um, you know, sure, the leg drop wasn't the most phenomenal move ever, but. He can barely walk because of it now. He could cut a promo. He really could. I'll give him that. Uh, with as much energy as a thousand burning suns. <laughs> and uh, Heenan also delivers an excellent hype promo with an absolutely stoic Andre the Giant. Yeah. Just stares the whole time. It was terrifying. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Completely agree. That, that's a good way to put it. Stoic. Because that's what he was. And it just the the kind of juxtaposition of Hulk Hogan with all the energy and all the, you know, you're going to have to kill me to beat me. And then Andre just stone cold. Oh, yeah. Like when they had their contract signing, like Hogan's like, like taking deep breaths, like Andre's just sitting there as calm and relaxed as ever. It's, it's really well done. This WrestleMania uh, will be your last. That's all he says. And it's the biggest showdown in WrestleMania history up to this point. You know, obviously through WrestleMania's end, and it and it really is ever. Probably. Arguably is the yeah. biggest wrestling match of all time. Mm-hmm. Most important wrestling match of all time. Yeah. I mean, there are a handful of greats that happened prior to it that you you know you could argue were a bigger deal, but you have somebody in there like Andre the Giant, who has wrestled all around the world and is a huge attraction. Oh, yeah. Well, no I mean, pun intended. Vince wanted to sell out the Silver Dome. He he sold it out with this match, and it starts with the most epic of stare downs. That stare down ever. Oh man! And the crowd is like going berserk, and they haven't done anything yet. They're just standing there. Hogan is like shaking, and he's like got that look in his eyes, like "All right, I'm gonna do this." And Andre is just like a statue, won't move. He's just staring at Hogan, staring past Hogan, staring through him, like he's not even there. Uh, the fun point is that this is the final time that Hulk wears that particular iteration of the WWF championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it would soon be replaced with the winged eagle belt. Oh, which is so good. Which is just changed my mind. Best belt they've ever produced. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the really interesting things about this match in the on, on the uh, onset is uh, Andre dominates early. And he actually uh, scoop slams Hogan. And Andre, who up to this point has been, like like we've all said, just very calm and stoic, he releases some, uh, basically, some energy there, and he just screams for Hogan to get up. Yeah, so <laughs> Hogan goes for the slam really early on, and Andre just lands on him. And from that moment on, Andre works the back, and yeah. he is in control of Pretty much the rest of the match, for the most part, and he just he screams up, oh, up, oh. 
it's scary to watch. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what was going to happen to Hogan. No, because Andre, that's a guy that when you when you look at him, because of how big he is, you you have this kind of idea in your in your mind that he can't be controlled well, because we, he's so big, we, and so you really don't know what he's capable of. We discussed that a little bit when we talked about the Body Slam Challenge WrestleMania one. That about Big John Stubb was terrified of Andre because Andre didn't like him and. I, I forget who once said it, but if Andre didn't like you, he he let you know, and he would take liberties. And if he didn't like, Vince even said like if they the agreement was this was going to happen, and and Hogan's even said it in interviews. He said so in the docu- the HBO documentary, which is fantastic. Watch, he's like if Andre changed his mind and did not want to sell for me, there was nothing I could have done to stop him. Right, because he's like he's bigger than all of us. He was stronger than all of us, and he knew it. I'm not sure if you guys may have noticed. Uh, there's a point where Andre has Hogan in the corner, and he looks right at the camera and winks. He does. <laughs> does he? It's, it's great. I have not. I did not notice that. Yeah. It's well. It's because he he's in firm control, and it's kind of this play of confidence. A lot of people go in there and they see his size and they hear him speak, and and you, the first thought is, oh, well, this is not a very intelligent man. Andre was a very intelligent man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's in there and he's playing this uh, monstrous, confident guy who's essentially at this point just toying with Hogan. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure whenever he gets him in the longest bear hug in WrestleMania history. It's oh, not Lord. that long. Um, it's really long. <laughs> it's long. It's really it, long. There was a longer bear hug by Volkoff. I'm pretty sure Hogan's arm does fall three times. Oh, it, it definitely does. But they, the ref checks it a fourth time, <laughs> and the match continues. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that just kind of happens sometimes, and you know you tell yourself that oh I must not have you know I must have just not it must have not have been three times already it must have only been two, um, but yeah that happens and it's kind of a weird moment especially looking back at it now, um, but it, it continues uh, and we get Andre getting knocked down for what is, you know, one of the first times. Oh my gosh, the first time he's like, he dropped the big guy. We've and never that, seen Andre drop before. That pop. Mm-hmm. And Hogan has this look of it like, did I do that? And then he starts to Hulk up. Oh, uh, Hogan. Yep. And he hits, you know, one of the most memorable spots of all time. And he scoop slams Andre the Giant. He can't lands it. And then he hits the leg drop. One, two, three. What I find fascinating about this is Hulk even said it. He had gone over this match with with Andre on more than one occasion. And Andre's like, okay, boss. And that was it. He never got any feedback. So he went into this match thinking like, is Andre going to do any of the stuff we talked about? Like, uh, he was terrified. Like, what, what, if Andre, what if Andre doesn't want to do the match? And he claims that they did everything that he had gone over with Andre, like, down to a T, everything. Like, he had it written down, like, DDP or Macho Man, would they write out the entire match. Everything, everything. Because uh, whenever they're in the bear hug, at one point he talks about this, because at this point, it's like, oh, man, Andre's doing it. He's going for everything. But he changed his mind. He just goes, slam. Huh? Slam. And that's where he does the body slam. And he goes, leg drop. And Hogan does the leg drop. And when he pins him, he's like, ha, 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 you win, boss. It's a phenomenal story. It is. Yeah. It is. But there's a more important story that we need to talk about. So it has been established on more than one occasion that Andre the Giant was undefeated for 15 years. 
That is not true. I was wondering if you were going to bring this up. He was undefeated in the World Wrestling Federation, which is actually partially untrue. Andre the Giant, on now we have no idea how many matches he had won or lost just because a lot of these matches were untelevised, but he had on, tele, well, on television, etc. He had lost a pinfall uh, lost to Kinect in 1984. He lost to Antonio Inoki in 1986. And he had had 60-minute time limit draws with both Holly Race, who body slammed him, and Nick Bockwinkle. So that's at least four matches that we know of that he lost. And he also had a no-contest boxing match against boxer Chuck Wepner, and then again with Muhammad Ali. Wow. I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, no kidding. I think they're both on the network. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Andre versus and, Ali? Uh, I think so. I know what I believe you can watch the Wepner match. Hmm. But uh, these two actually feuded in 82 at the showdown in Shea Stadium. But th- at that point, Andre was the hero and Hogan was the villain. And uh, Hogan bodies him in that match, too. So, you know. <laughs> but hey. Yeah, history is. Uh, it's a more compelling story if he's never been beaten and he's never been body slammed before. Yeah, and it is what it is. It yeah. is the most important wrestling match at that time, mm-hmm. and it remains one of the most iconic moments in in WrestleMania history. And to be fair, you'd only know about those other matches if you were a tape trader because those were not on television. You had to be there to know about it. But now, with the advent of the internet and YouTube, you can watch some of it. Um, but in 1987, unless you were a smart fan, smart fans were. Very, very rare back then. You didn't know about that stuff. So I'm not going to take any marks away from the match because of that or the show in general. But it's just something that I thought we should talk about. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for bringing it up. So highest rated moments. I got a strong feeling it's going to be a clean sweep on Savage Steamboat. Well, yeah, if, if we're doing um, highest rated match, yeah, it is Savage Steamboat, no doubt about it. Yeah, it is for me too. But if we're doing highest rated segment, I I gave uh, the open with Aretha Franklin a ten. Yeah, ten out of ten. <laughs> a ten out of ten. Actually, that that is yeah. I gave it the the same number that I gave the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship match. Yeah, yeah if you are um if if just to kind of remind you uh, with the last Mania standing as opposed to last match standing, uh, we are giving our Manias and our our segments a point value so that it is a scientifically proven way uh, yeah all the way to to rank these matches so that there's no debate it's just an actual number um so we we rank uh we rate all of our our matches on a scale from zero to ten uh but yeah i I would say steamboat and savage far and away the match of the night oh yeah yeah so that brings us to lowest rated segment or match of the night king kong bundy and the short people yeah it's it's a tie for me. There's a lot of uh, low scoring, like to, well, to the same point where they they scored the same amount. For uh, me, it's that, and then the Volkov. That's one. Sheik the, match. the Volkov Sheik match is one. Unfortunately, because I do love uh, Iron Sheik. Uh, also, I, I scored the Butch Reed Coco Beware match. Kind of the same deal. There's really? just nothing going. I actually scored uh, the Harley Race Junkyard Dog match really, really low. That's my second lowest because of. All of the you know background stuff. Yeah, that but goes sure. along with it. I mean, I ended up giving that one a three because it wasn't a bad match. It just didn't like the build was really racist and fucked up, and then it had a fucked finish. And 
but JYD got the last laugh. Yeah, that yeah. makes it better. Yeah, that kind of brought it up. That brought it up to a three for me. But too. my thing yeah. was, I was not going to get that a lower score than the Sheik Volkov, right? Or or the little fucking Beaver. I'm, no, that, agreed. There's no way. It's kind of <laughs> so, like it's kind of like last time how I refused to score anything below Adonis and Uncle Elmer. Yeah, it was kind of that same like shame score for sure. Um, for for Jim and Bundy, for me, uh, I rated it a one point five, which was my lowest of the night. Oh, okay, yeah, 1.5. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize we were going to do 0.5s. Yeah, I, I decided <laughs> on a whim. All right, so before I jump over everybody, everyone name their uh, their best and and, and worst, because yes. you know, I, I try not to skip anyone this time. Yeah, what, what was your uh, point value for your lowest one there, Paul? And oh, Lena, I don't know uh, if you said your point value. I gave that the... Jim and, gave, and Bundy. Jim match. and Bundy, I gave that one a two. Okay. Landon, what'd you give that one? Jim and Bundy? Yeah. Um... Yeah, a two. A two. Yeah. Okay. The reason why I didn't give it a one is because for the fleeting moment of like Little Tokyo and and the Haiti kid, they actually wrestled. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is actually pretty good. And then the match just kind of ended. So they they got that two just for that alone. But just like you said earlier, if, you, if you're going to not take this seriously, then just don't do it. All right, well, it's time to score this thing. It is. Uh, you know, it, it was going into it, it was going to be really, really interesting because, generally speaking, when you listen back uh, to people's thoughts about WrestleMania 3, it is far and away one of the best WrestleManias of all time, and it surely was better than 1 and 2. So, oh. did our ratings reflect that? Yes. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. My final uh, rating was not much higher, but it was higher than 2. <laughs> okay, what was your final rating, Paul? So... The way, we, the way we scale this is we take all the segments and uh, it's out of 10. So there were 14 notable segments. So it would have been your highest score would be 140, 140. I didn't even have to do any division this time because I came out to an even 70 out of, a, out of 140s for a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Is that Paul's highest rated WrestleMania? It is. It is, in fact, not. Oh, it's not? WrestleMania 1, Paul scored a 5.27. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, so a, a five for WrestleMania three. I gave it a five point one. After all that, interesting. Also, not my highest WrestleMania. WrestleMania one beat it because I think I tied Paul with a five point two seven. I believe well. you sure did because we were both like, whoa, yeah, different yeah. different numbers, but like we got to the same. So, result. so both over our WrestleMania twos, but not as high as WrestleMania one, which is super interesting. So I, you know, my, I'll, I'll trend that way as well. I scored it a four point nine three, very close to wow. you guys. Uh, it's crazy how close we scored this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I got a four point nine three, which is uh, higher than my three point seven one I gave WrestleMania two, but lower than the five point five five I gave WrestleMania one. So the final score for WrestleMania three turns out to be. 15.03. Wow. That is fascinating to me because it's looked back at at being so, so good. And we just gave it a 50% just now. Pretty much. Um, so where does that rank it so far? Too. <laughs> so the way the ranking would shake out at that point is WrestleMania 2 is in third place uh, at 11.21. <sighs> WrestleMania 3 is in second place with 15.03. And WrestleMania 1 is currently the last Mania standing okay. at uh, 16.09. Wow. Wow. You know, what this tells me is that Steamboat and and Savage and and uh, Hogan and Andre were 
the only two saving graces about this WrestleMania, really. Pretty much. Because the rest of it was not good. There were some good moments, but there were so many bad. Yeah, the good was great, and the bad was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Was, that was the curse of WrestleMania 3. And so that's how um, you get And WrestleMania 1 was just all around a better show. Yeah. It really was. WrestleMania 2 dealt with a lot of difficulties um, throughout it that really hurt it, and the match quality didn't you know, really help make up for it. Um, the thing that helped boost WrestleMania three over WrestleMania two is the back end of the show really, really made it a ton better. Right. Oh yeah. Those last three matches are much easier to digest than the first, like seven. They're just, oof. yeah. Yeah. So, th- so there you have it. WrestleMania three, uh, currently second place, but WrestleMania one t- keeps the lead so far, which if you would have told me going into it, that, that would have happened. I would have been very surprised. Uh, but here we are, three WrestleManias in. Uh, we cannot be more uh, thankful for your support if you're listening to us in this Patreon exclusive. Uh, we cannot wait to cover WrestleMania 4. That one's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of matches. A lot of matches. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you know what's coming? Do you know what WrestleMania 4 is? I, I do. Okay. I do. I, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I, um, I think if we start watching now... <laughs> <laughs> we might finish it by the by next month when this episode yeah. drops. Uh, it, it's it's been a fun ride. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Until then, I'm Spencer. I'm Paul, and I'm Landon, and this is Last Mania Standing. Mania Standing.